0: Welcome to the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, John Lawson, Senior Wealth Advisor at Asante Wealth Management and Private Client, and Founding Partner of Asana Family Office. We're always looking for unique ways to educate our clients and get in touch with new business owners and families. That was part of the wisdom for kicking off the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. At Asana Family Office, we help business owners and affluent families navigate the complexities of wealth through a variety of wealth management and family enterprise oversight services. You can visit our website at sanafamilyoffice.com. For the purpose of this podcast though, we wanted to dive deeper into topics that can relate to your goals, your investments, your business, and your life. This week on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast, we have Paul Nazareth. Paul is a leader in Canada's philanthropic sector with over 20 years' experience. He is now Vice President of Education and Development at the Canadian Association of Gift Planners. He was most recently VP at the charity Canada Helps, where he worked with over 20,000 charities. He has been a philanthropic advisor with a national wealth management firm working with donor-advised funds. And he's spent over a decade with charities like the University of Toronto and the 230 churches of the Catholic Church of Greater Toronto. Paul is on the board of several charities and he's the chair of the advisory board at the Humber College Postgraduate Fundraising Program. He's also on the advisory council of Carleton Masters in the Nonprofit Leadership Program. He's lead facility instructor for advisor education with the Knowledge Bureau as well as tax and advisor communities like CPA, advocates, and estate planning councils. Paul writes on philanthropy for a variety of publications, as well as appearing on national radio and television to speak about creating a personal legacy through charity. All right, and here is uh, Paul Nazareth. uh, Paul, I'm I'm first going to take a shot at you for such a long bio because uh, I think it took me about... 20 takes to, in order to get that one straight. So, uh, you're, you're obviously a guy that comes with a ton of experience and, um, that shows through in your bio. But I think even more so as I've heard you speak at different events. Uh, you really opened my mind over the years to philanthropy and, and for that, I thank you because I, I think that in itself is a true gift. So I I'd, I'd like to start uh the the conversation as we've kind of adopted in here and we actually took this from a um uh, a campfire series that uh, Asante sponsored and uh, we thought it was a great way to uh, uh maybe loosen up hopefully not too much so that we're not drinking too much in the beginning but uh we we asked you what your favorite cocktail was and so uh we uh, uh the immediate answer was negroni uh and uh, we we sent you a little bit of uh, uh gin Campari, and uh vermouth uh and so tell us a little bit where this comes from and how it relates to uh the, the asante campfire you
1: know funny enough it was it was the campfire that uh that really uh, had the culture piece about talking about what what actually loosens you up and how we build relationships it was actually called Coffee and Cocktails for different time zones, frankly. But you know what? I got this, this drink from an Asante colleague. And it was an advisor who had mentored me over the years, who also helped me as, you know, I, I spent many years in charity, in a lot of different conservative environments. And then as time went on and I entered into business development and doing more of that cultural, that community connection, it was actually really hard to build relationship with people and loosen up a bit. And uh, frankly, you know, even my family cultural background didn't come with a lot of enjoyment of that community connection. And it was this colleague of mine that introduced me to not just the Negroni, but that whole concept of loosening up over connecting with people, over food and drink and community connection. So cheers to you. Thank you to the team for sending it. Thanks to you, because in the pandemic, you know, I used to go out to do this stuff. So I've never made one at home. And thanks to you, my first one was terrible. And uh, uh, had a couple here and there over the past couple of weeks and got a little better at it. So cheers. Thanks a lot to you and the team.
0: Yeah. Cheers, Paul. Thanks. And uh, so this is our second podcast that we've done. And so uh, maybe people who watched the, uh, the first video podcast will recognize there's uh, just a little bit in here because I'm actually morning drinking. So uh, there's only a little taster in here. Um, and my drink of choice is actually tequila. Mm. And so it's a uh, not a shot, it's sipping. Uh, and so uh, this, uh, this time what I did was I, I, I brought uh, this version of tequila, which I was introduced to earlier in the summer. Uh, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, for those of you who kind of cringe when uh, you talk about uh, tequila, I never used to drink hard liquor at all. I was always a beer guy. Uh, and I think it has something to do with age and waistline. Um, uh, and also uh, British uh, heritage where my dad originally talked a lot about beers and he made his own beers. He was a chemist by training. And we uh, we drank a lot of different type of uh, what, what, It's now more boutique beers, uh, and uh, now that that has become the the rage, I've actually gone the other way and and not drinking much beer and uh, have tried some uh, uh, tequila and some hard liquors, which uh, is surprising me. I would never have thought that I would have got there. So with that, cheers and a little sip. Yeah. Thanks so much. Okay, so let's get to it. Um, words, words, some kind can be daunting. And one of the things that uh, I find is that if I talk about philanthropy, people have this, there's this myth that philanthropy is for the rich. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit? You know, we have now
1: got more Canadian data to understand that this is actually a dangerous myth because when people see all sorts of you know, city magazines and look at philanthropy in the global stage, they're somehow convinced that philanthropy is done by philanthropists. And actually in Canada, and some of our kind of expat culture, there's a humility element there. And some of the biggest givers in this country don't think of themselves as philanthropists. And now we have Canadian Statistics Canada data to show that actually regular everyday Canadians community leaders, business owners are the most impactful givers, even more than the uh, national wealthy index. So, you know, who moves the needle, who helps community, people who are involved in the community, regular everyday Canadians who get their hands dirty and doing good and helping people.
0: Yeah. So, so true. And, uh, I, I do find as I'm talking to people and clients that, um, when, when we talk about it in simpler language, the, uh, uh, the, the, the fact of giving really makes a, um, uh, an impactful statement to clients and they, they feel the, that they often get more out of it than what they are giving. And so it's a, just a reminder to clients that Every little uh, uh, thing that they do, whether it's a gift of time, a gift of money, a gift of life insurance, a, a gift of securities, whatever it is, it all makes a difference. And uh, with that, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is the ways that people give. Uh, so uh, there's never a wrong way per se, uh, but there's a much more much more efficient ways to give. And so uh, if, if you can maybe talk about uh, strategies in terms of giving, what are some of the, uh, uh, I hate to use the word wrong, but uh, uh, less efficient manners of giving and how would you, you know common,
1: common mistakes. You know, one of the challenges is simply this, is that charitable giving is 90% of the time led by not the head, but the heart. In fact, again, we've got some great Canadian studies that tell us why Canadians give. And the number one reason is because people care and they want to help people in need. Well, that's heart. And the challenge is is when people are led by the heart very often, they don't plan well. This is actually a bit of an Asante thing about really pulling strategy into planning. And when we do, it's not just efficient, it's more impactful, right? I had a a business owner in, in the prairies who, when I asked them to say, look, you've really changed how you've given, you uh, spoke at a public event. Why do you feel more more powerful about this? And they said, my advisor sat me down and said, what if I could help you to give double and it'll cost you the same? I said, how is that even possible? And they said, that's what planning does. So using securities to get the capital gains elimination, therefore a a larger amount back, by planning, not just say bequests or one-time gifts, but using life insurance, using the financial plan, coupling it with the estate plan will not just be more efficient for the individual. And actually, many people are so feel so strongly about being efficient for their family, for their children, for their heirs. Using charitable giving as part of the plan, you can give more and actually get back more for your family and your heirs. People just, you know, they've described that as feeling like they won the lottery, you know, I can give the food bank, I can give my church, I can give this small organization I love who have never been able to give more than a couple of hundred dollars to, I can give them thousands. Now in life, they, they just can't believe it. That's the power of planning.
0: That is so true. And, and I love the way that you tie it into uh, planning, Paul. Uh, we often talk about uh, plan first, then execute. Uh, And especially when it comes to estate planning and planned giving uh, and uh, philanthropy or charitable giving, it makes such a difference on the impact and the overall result for both the charity and the client and uh, the family. So incredible uh, piece of advice there. Um, So, what, what about business owners? We work a lot with business owners and what are, the, uh, what are the things that you see business owners should do and shouldn't do as they're uh, going down this path?
1: You know, one of the challenges for a lot of business owners is that in the 1980s and 90s, many charities and fundraisers focused on big corporations. And today, actually, some of the biggest funders in local communities are business owners, so when I would sit down with them, and you heard from my bio, I've spent time both in charities as and as an advisor, but they would tell us, whoa, I get asked for money so much. And not just by random organizations, but yes, my favorite charities. So I want to give, but I know that, you know, what's my capacity. And for a lot of business owners who are in the next decade or so transitioning, selling the business, transitioning to successors, you know, a lot of times when there's a big tax hit, there's an opportunity to make a large gift to offset that. But the challenge is they said, you know, I spent a lifetime earning this money. I don't want it to go poof and go out the door, even if it's doing good. So this is where planning with, with programs like donor advised funds, private foundations come into play to say, again, let's put some strategy behind this. You will get your receipt by putting it into a fund and then spend a little time thinking about it. Why don't we make some test gifts and grants why don't we connect with the community foundation or uh, a program where we're talking to the charities to learn before we give? And again, we're getting the upfront tax benefits because we're doing the planning, but then we have time to do good. And frankly, doing good in this day and age means testing. You know, again, everybody had plans on January 1, the world changed and actually the needs changed. So, you know, that's the ability too. when you have that money pooled, it has flexibility to get out the door when it's needed.
0: That is so true. And you hit the heart of it there, Paul. Um, uh, I should have done this in the beginning of the uh, podcast, but full diclo- disclosure, I'm actually the chair of Surrey Cares Community Foundation, Surrey's uh, Community Foundation. Um, and, and we see that with our fund holders, um, also as you mentioned with donor advised funds where the ability to put the money in and get that tax receipt and alleviate that problem right away um but it gives them time they don't have to make the decision yet as to who the money is being gifted to that that's the part that they can uh, then do the testing as you say Uh, They can maybe hold a family meeting and get everybody involved. You know, one of the most impactful uh, comments that I've had from clients and specifically grandparents is that this is a way for me to engage my grandkids and teach them about giving and the importance of it and that it's a family tradition and to build a legacy. You
1: know, one of the building blocks of legacy is ritual. And one of the challenges is it's hard to hold rituals, you know, even in a pandemic. Yeah. That's one of the things that a lot of the old days and, you know, I'm a church going guy and, you know, the most effective way to give is things like securities or online, but there's still got to be something going into that basket. If only you don't get the stink eye from so-and-so at the end of the pew. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I actually just got off the phone this morning from a colleague I know who's a business owner who was engaged with the community foundation. And he said, You know, I have to thank you because we we started to uh, do a 10-year succession plan. We put a good amount of money into this fund. I, honest to goodness, would have given it to my favorite charities outright. And today's the rainy day. The pandemic was the time when they needed it most. And you helped me to, one, get the intel to know who needed it, not just food banks, but poverty organizations, women in domestic violence. You helped me to spread that money around to save my favorite charities. That would not have happened without planning and the slight holdback to say, let's, let's pool those funds.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And is from, from the community foundation side, one of the things that I do see, and, and this is a sad fact of uh, charitable organizations, they come and go. Uh, and so lots of times, if that money goes lump sum to them, uh, that can be run through, uh, burned through, and then they're gone, uh, and so when it is put in a donor-advised fund or a community foundation uh, held by the community foundation, you can regulate uh, that uh, cash flow and uh, make sure that you uh, continue to believe in how they're using that money. Uh, so it, it's those are powerful, powerful tools. Um, I'm also, uh, we're involved in talking with a business owner right now, to your point about a, a large taxable event, has sold some land uh, within his company, and is, uh, uh, not, is very charitable minded, um, and really uh, dislikes the uh, estimated tax bill that he's going to have. Uh, he's going to give anyways, but he looked, uh, he didn't understand the connect between he could do it now and help negate uh, that tax bill and then still give to his charities over time. Uh, so it has that
1: flexibility, yes. right? flexibility is a superpower, right? So again, taxable event, that could be a really big gift, Yeah, right? We have a ton of business owners as well who are selling secondary properties or moving money around in which there will be a high capital gain event and putting six or even seven figures into these funds. And again, what are they? They're funds inside of a public foundation. So being able to grant right away to do some good, to grant over say five or 10 years to build sustainability and then work with the charity to have a plan. That is a really powerful piece for them to have that flexibility on the back end, but all the tax relief on the front
0: end. Absolutely well said, thank you. Um, so let's maybe talk about uh, we jotted a, a note down here about uh, we called them on ramps for uh, philanthropic giving, both both for clients and uh, advisors. Uh, so uh, talk a little bit about that.
1: yeah you know it, it really is things like the taxable events, but you know the strongest on ramps, and even when I was an advisor, people wanted me to crunch the numbers. Show me the tax opportunities. And they were all up here. And the most power is down here. So when people are saying, yes, I have a taxable need, but I feel strongly about a cause, about uh, a situation, about a problem, you know, business owners, even more than a lot of organizations out there, are hyper-connected to societal issues, to understanding what a downtown core needs, to understand actually homelessness, mental health, Community need. So this is an area in which people are very excited, especially the ones who are transitioning even a bit of their time to go from running the company to now have more time to do some research to understand the community and deploy funds. So this is where you know we look for those pieces. The two strongest ones from a head perspective is you know those tax needs, those large capital gain hits, but from a heart perspective is follow the caring. When you feel strongly about something, again, we had a a, a business owner who put quite a bit of money into their fund, but then amassed four or five other peers to then build a fund which was worth tens of millions of dollars. Then they said, let's get it into the hands of homeless initiative leaders who really know what the solutions need to be. And the municipality, the city, the province will not do what they know is right. So let's empower them.
0: Huge. Huge. Great example and, and so I'll just uh, add in there, uh, again, we're talking about these very large figures and, and, and yes, that happens and yes, we're involved and we help the planning for all of that, but it doesn't have to be tens of millions of dollars. You can pool your money. Uh, through uh, again through a community foundation, you can go with other like-minded individuals and contribute to that cause. Uh, so it's it's so so powerful. And as you say, if if, if it comes from here, uh, then it's it's uh, it's the right thing to do, and it can uh, work very well for the charity as well as uh, as well as yourself.
1: So, and you know, let's let's bring it back to advice too. Because we've got to decouple the money and the thresholds. You know, in Canada, we don't talk about this enough. We have the most aggressively beneficial charitable tax credit system in the Western world, better than the United States, better than the United Kingdom. And it kicks in when anybody gives more than 200 bucks. Yeah. Well, this is what's crazy, right? The value of what your advisor is bringing to the table, again, isn't just those big numbers, but most people are giving inefficiently. And why does it matter? They could be getting back more and they could be giving more and not even changing how much they give.
0: So true. And that's uh, that you, you and that was a preemptive strike on my next uh, point. And, and that was, we, we had actually talked about this throughout, but uh, just the importance of planning when it comes down to this, if uh, 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 you can sometimes do so much more with the same amount of money um, if it's just properly thought out. And so w- one of the things that I am constantly trying to put the message out on is start planning now. It, it is, uh, uh, um, people tend to leave things until a trigger point, And often that trigger point is either too late or it's very rushed planning. Uh, so, would you have anything to add to, to that side?
1: You know, in Canada, when, when I, we talk to advisors across the country, they tell us what's fascinating is the number one mistake people make is they're actually cashing out appreciated securities yeah. and then donating the proceeds, yeah. thereby losing the tax and the capital gain. And actually a ton of people are even donating the cash at special events, not even getting the tax receipt. So you're losing a huge amount. So this is the planning piece. And again, this is a bit of an Asante cultural piece is having a plan at the beginning of the year, talking out what these things are gonna look like. Not just where do you give, show me the tax receipts. Why do you give there? When do you give there? You know, even if it's gonna be the golf tournament or whatever, we can make that gift using securities. We can look at your portfolio. You know, a lot of Canadians who are older have lived long, saved aggressively and done well they only worry about outliving their money for health reasons and other things a lot of unionized staff you know i had a high school janitor whose advisor showed him how he had an old policy that was not helping his family financial plan and it was an insurance policy that was completely paid up they donated it in life it had a fair market value so he got a a benefit in life and when he passed away this regular everyday guy got to give $97,000 to the charities that he loved. And his family was over the moon. And again, the family and people asked, oh my gosh, did he win the lottery or something? It was planning, but it yeah. was planning where head meets heart. Yeah,
0: yeah. And your, your example there of uh, cashing out securities and then giving money um, and not even getting the uh, tax receipt for it. That's, that's that heart thing. Uh, and, and it's so, so powerful, but, but let's not, uh, forget about, uh, the benefit side of it and, and do it in a better way, get the same result for your heart, but also help you financially as well. And the, uh, so just to put a finer point on it. Um, talk uh, talk to everybody a little bit about what you're, what you're meaning by giving securities instead of cashing them out. Why, why is that such a big deal?
1: It's It truly is, uh, it changed the face of charitable giving in Canada. So 2007, a federal budget announced the ability that if you donate securities publicly traded in kind, that the, the capital gains would be eliminated. So for a lot of people who've held a portfolio for a long time that have those capital gains, When you cash them out, you got to pay that tax. But if you donate them to a charity in kind, the tax is eliminated and you're getting the full tax receipt. So again, they were planning to give that money anyway. This is a more efficient way to give and they're getting more back. So got to fight. Also fight the humility here. Again, I work with a lot of community savers, regular everyday people who say, well, I don't want the receipt or I don't want the, the recognition. And it's the advisor saying, what if I could help you to give more? Whatever you were going to give, I can help you to do more, have more impact. Heck, let's give to a couple other organizations. Again, this is what planning, and again, this is the superpower of community foundations and even advisors who are deeply connected into the community like you. You know what the needs are. So much of giving is only alleviating suffering. Food banks will be the first to tell you that they'd love to be out of business. But that means not just alleviating hunger but starting to talk about food security and that's everybody. That's the middle-class that's regular people, right? We've got young kids eating McDonald's. That's the way to food poverty, no matter what your wealth is at. So, you know, leaving suffering and actually solving problems is another element that planning can bring to the fore.
0: Wow. <laughs> you hit on so many uh, amazing points, Paul. And I my mind's going all sorts of different directions that, that we could take this, um, but you, you maybe ex- expand a little bit and that is, um, just the, uh, a legacy. We talk about legacy and, and why is that, uh, why do you see that as so much bigger than just your financial well-being?
1: You know, I'm a big fan of the musical Hamilton. Uh, and in the musical, the main character is pondering and he says, what is legacy? It's planting the seeds of a garden you will never see.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, and for a lot of people, and again, this is the thing about business owners. They are people who see the past, who are innovative in the present, but actually have a vision for the future. And when we see about getting business owners connected to social profit, nonprofit innovators, it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals three. Because they get both capital. They get social capital. And they put that together. They do amazing things. You know, I was out in the prairies before everything started and I was talking to a food security organization that connected with a number of business owners in uh, hydroponic vegetables and uh, food security delivery in the city. They were starting that all these, you know, food delivery boxes, etc. What did they come up with? They came up with a model that helps food security, helps hunger and homelessness, actually socially innovative and green solutions, right? It's there's so much power that can be connected there, but we know what did it require? A little bit of holding back, putting the money into the fund and then spending the time talking and then granting the money out. And again, not holding it back, they granted it all, but they just needed to wait about 18 months till they had the conversations. But they needed the tax relief that year because that was the year they sold the business. So again, what we're doing is we're decoupling the tax benefit, and the social benefit. And in that is power, as long as you do the planning. And again, just always remember to have those two priorities and know that there'll be tension between the head and heart, but it's the planning that brings them together.
0: So true, so true. So when you're talking with donors and when you're talking with uh, uh, advisors, what is it that you think actually resonates with them. And this can help advisors. Uh, but sometimes I, I, what I'm hoping too is for clients, it'll make them a little bit introspective uh, and say, and think about for them, what does it mean?
1: As human beings, we don't learn from feel good and warm and fuzzy. We learn from pain, you know? And so what's interesting is, is when clients and advisors are talking, a great place to start is what don't you like? And again, you know, a lot of business owners, I got to tell you, they're hounded. had a great guy who, uh, very well-known Canadian TV personality, who said, I have never given willingly. It's always been with one hand twisted behind my back and golf and a brother-in-law is usually involved. And so the whole concept of actually talking it out, starting with the pain points, what do you want to do? And what do you feel you can't do? You know, how are you giving in the past couple of years? Tell me where it felt good and tell me where it didn't. It's a lot of advisors actually tell us, I'm nervous to bring up philanthropy or charitable giving. I don't want to influence my client, etc." But we always tell them, look at the tax receipts. They're given anyway. And I can tear, tell you and almost guarantee you after 20 years in the sector that people aren't happy. I'm not saying that philanthropy is really working because when we ask Canadians, what don't you like They're saying, stop asking me at the cash register. Don't hound me on the street. Stop bothering me during dinner. I I gotta tell you, the reason I'm in fundraising is because I despise fundraising. I love the charities, but the way we've all ended up doing it has been transactional and has actually become not helpful to the discussion. So this is where advisors are really helping us to bring it back to an organic place. It is no longer about campaigns and special events and need, it's based on that client's organic discussions.
0: That changes the whole game. Wow. That's very, very powerful. Thank you. So, Paul, what would you say in some final words just to uh, uh, encapsulate this subject? I know it's a massive subject. And when, when, when you're speaking, you take an hour or two hours, sometimes a whole day in uh, uh, leading people through this. But uh, sum it up a little bit for us, what your main points would be.
1: You know, first and foremost, start the discussion. That's where everything happens. You know, uh, it's really important to, to pull those receipts and say, okay, where are you giving now? Let's pull it into the plane. Having a standalone philanthropic discussion is no one's priority. And if you think it's going to ever happen on its own, it's not. Again, this is a really great Asante thing is integrated into the discussions you already have. Financial plan, estate plan, succession plan. As long as you say, what's the potential charitable element of that, it'll happen because it's in flow. So as long as you do that again, that'll really bring the power. Don't let it be driven by the charities asking because charities will always be in need, but know that you can help. And again, when they come and ask say capital campaigns, or even now in this crisis, Just talk to clients to say, I can help. I can help you do more. That's the real thing that they respond to. Not that I can make it more efficient. Whoever really understands what efficiency means. I can help you do more and it'll hurt less. So yeah, that's what the estate lawyers tell us often. What if I could help you to give and it wouldn't hurt your family or heirs? I can give and pay less tax than they're in
0: that's great advice. And, uh, I, I do agree with you, Paul. Again, I think the, uh, uh, it all starts with a discussion and, uh, it's, it's about having that discussion. Uh, and for, let's be clear, there are some people, uh, that just don't give. It's, it's not, they feel they give in other ways, uh, and it's everybody's personal choice. But uh, if you can understand uh, the power of philanthropy and if you understand what you didn't like about it, as you pointed out, uh, and then your mind is opened to different ways to do it, um, I see magic happen with clients. and, uh, And the magic is... Uh, in, in their, their eyes, they, uh, they just, you can see them open up and say, oh my goodness, I wish I'd known this sooner. Uh, you
1: know, this is actually one of the biggest benefits that advisors tell us that they have found is to say in, in going deeper with my clients, I have found a whole other level of not just philanthropy, but social good, environmental innovation, business innovation, I didn't even know existed. Mentoring young people in my community, investing in new types of technology, investing in solving social problems that I believe in. I didn't even know this existed. So, so many advisors, we did this report called Doing Good for Business, where advisors shared with us how philanthropy now is a building business. It does grow assets under management, but make no mistake, it helped diversify even their own giving strategies.
0: Yeah. Knowledge is power. Well, Paul, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to talk with us and talk with my clients and our audience. Uh, uh, again, uh, the the knowledge, understanding what you don't know, and then hopefully uh, taking the next step and actually asking and reaching out. And uh, that's the whole purpose behind these uh, uh, video podcasts is uh, whether you're just listening or whether you're actually watching this handsome guy called Paul Nazareth uh, uh, chat. Um, you can uh, You can see and you can hear the passion uh, that you bring to the subject, and that's what's always attracted me uh, to uh, to wanting more of what you have to say. So thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate that. I uh, Throughout this, didn't give you much of a chance to uh, sip your Negroni. So uh, uh, cheers, cheers to you, man. Uh, thanks so much. And until next time.
1: Absolutely. Take care. Have a great day.
0: Thanks again, Paul. Wow. That's a lot of passion and expertise bottled up inside of Paul Nazareth. Thank you so much for sharing. Anyone has questions or would like to explore philanthropy more please don't hesitate to reach out our belief here at sauna family office and in our role as advisors through asante is to help people get the help and advice they need we will always listen to understand your situation and needs and then if we both agree we're a good fit we can work together If for some reason that doesn't make sense, we will always try to get you started with some advice and direct you to who would be a better fit for what you are looking for. We do not charge for this conversation. We are trying to facilitate what Paul and I were emphasizing. It is important to start now, discuss, plan, then execute. We will help start you down that path. Looking forward to our next podcast. As I mentioned, I'm currently the chair of Surrey Cares Community Foundation. And so we thought it would be a great follow up to have a conversation with Christine Butkus, our executive director, to talk about what is a community foundation? Our goal here is to educate and engage you, our audience. If you have any topics you would like us to dive deeper into, please let us know as well if I could ask you to all post a review. I'm no techie, but I'm told this really helps to spread the word. So if you could do it, it would be very much appreciated. To that end, do you have any questions, comments, or just like to contact us? You can email us at Sana Family Office, that's Sana, S-A-N-A, Family Office, at Asante, A-S-S-A-N-T-E, dot com, or call. 604-372-3372. If you would like to know more about our unique service offering for business owners and affluent families, visit our website at saunafamilyoffice.com or email us at saunafamilyoffice at asante.com. And until next time, Asante Sauna. Hi, I'm Trevor Beggs from Sauna Family Office and thanks for listening to John Lawson and the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Here are the necessary disclosures. Asante Capital Management is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources, however no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the above, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast.